You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Transition Wild Podcast, the home for those looking for expertise and inspiration on all things Western big game hunting. I'm your host, Adam Parr, and you're listening to episode number 35, where we talk with Gabriel Sandin of Ivory Holsters. Hello, thanks for tuning in to the Transition Wild Podcast, hosted on the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network. Thanks for everyone who's now venturing over and subscribing to the standalone feed. You can now search for Transition Wild and subscribe to only Transition Wild by searching on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, all of that. So definitely um, do that if you're looking to subscribe to the podcast. And thanks for the guys that have left the good reviews and and put that five-star into the atmosphere. Much, much appreciated. I am getting ready to um, embark on about a month of travel. I've got some more shows to hit, um, some work travel for Quiet Cat. I just got back from the ATA show. That was pretty fun. Um, always good catching up with old friends and, and, and meeting new people. Just a lot of work, <laughs> and, I, and I'm worn out, but I've, I've got to go on to the next shows. If you are going to be at the Great American Outdoor Show in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, it's a nine-day um, hunting show, basically, uh, definitely come stop by the Quiet Cat booth. I'll be kicking around for the entirety of that show. It's nine days long, so... Definitely come say hi. Give me uh, give me something to look forward to <laughs> during the nine day monotony of of standing at the booth. So come say hi. Um, I'll be there all week. All right. Today's episode we have Gabriel Sandin of Ivory Holsters, and I ran into Gabriel at the airport a few weeks back when I was going home to Michigan um, for Christmas or a little bit after Christmas to visit family. And, um, you know, we shot the shit, talked to each other, um, obviously had some common ground with hunting and, you know, he, he owns and, and runs ivory holsters. So that's pretty cool. And I was like, Hey man, you should come on the podcast. So, um, here we are uh, about a month later. So, um, it's really cool talking with Gabriel. Um, obviously, you know, having a, a sidearm in the backcountry is pretty important. I myself carry every single time I go out. And, um, you know, we talk a lot of uh, about ivory holsters themselves and the different options and offerings that they have and, and, and about the company itself. But we also, he, Gabriel is also very knowledgeable and, and talks a lot on on strategy and, and tips for us to use in the backcountry and, and talk about bear spray versus, you know, carrying a sidearm and, and, and safety and helpful, um, useful tips that we can kind of put to use and start thinking about when we're going into the backcountry hunting elk or mule deer, um, whether it be Colorado where you're dealing with mountains, mountain lions and, and black bear. Um, or if you're really getting serious and going up in grizzly country in Montana, Idaho, Wyoming. So really, really cool stuff. I really enjoyed talking with Gabriel. Make sure you stay tuned because Gabriel so very graciously offered to do a giveaway of one of the holsters. So make sure you stay tuned towards the end of the podcast and I'll announce how you can be qualified to, uh, or how to enter to win an ivory holster. They're badass, man. They're really cool. Um, I can't wait to get one for myself 
And uh, like I said, really, really uh, generous for them to do a giveaway. So make sure you stay tuned on how to win an ivory holster. All right, well, let's not wait any longer. Let's get Gabriel Sandin on the line. All right, on the line with us now, we have Gabriel Sandin. How you doing today, man? Good, good, man. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, how's everything down in, you're in the Denver area, correct? Yeah, we're just, just in Brighton, just north of the airport, yeah. Okay, got it. Um, yeah, it's been snowing quite a bit here since I've, I've gotten home from some recent travel. Are you guys getting some of the snow down there on the, on the front range? We did. We got pretty well dumped on this morning, which is very, you know, it's welcome. We need it super bad. Um, got dumped on this morning and then the sun came out in true Colorado fashion. So now it's super <laughs> nice out. That's the beauty part about Colorado. My brother was just out visiting me um, the last couple of days for my birthday. And um, he, he was kind of mentioning about like the sunshine and everything. And I was like, man, like, I love the sunshine and it's, that's a big ch- change from Michigan. Um, but I was telling him too, like sometimes I just get, it gets a little old, you know, I don't want to say that in like a bad way, but like, man, like it's just almost too much sun sometimes, especially in the summer. Whereas in Michigan, I'm used to the cloudy days and a little bit of overcast. Now here in Colorado, I appreciate the rain. I appreciate the snow and a little bit of overcast once in a while, but I'm not, I'm not complaining. I'm just kind of throwing that out there. <laughs> no, I could, I could not agree more. I get everybody that's, I mean, everybody, I shouldn't say everybody. People seem to find a reason to gripe about everything, no matter if it's too hot, too cold, too whatever it is. But I am all about the the sun I mean, I, the wintertime is what I'm saying. So it would be kind of nice in Colorado to get more than like eight hours of snow and, and let the clouds sit a little while. Give me two or three days of good snow and, <laughs> and cloudiness. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, where where are you from originally? I'm from, I was born here in Aurora. Okay, got it, got it. Yeah. So Colorado you? native, you're, you're kind of a rarity nowadays. I, I am, I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm originally from Michigan and... and uh, um, so I moved out here about three and a half years ago, summer of 2015, going on my fourth year here, and I, I absolutely love it. And um, good, good, good hunting area, as you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Happy birthday too, by the way. Oh, when was your birthday? It was the 21st, so just a couple days ago. Good deal, I'm, man. I'm the big Happy 3-0. Birthday. I'm, I'm, I'm old now. Right, <laughs> <laughs> right. Which isn't fun, but it is what right. it is. Age is just a number, right? That's right. As long as you can still hunt, it doesn't really matter. Exactly. Exactly. So you and I had met um, at the airport, kind of bumped into each other when I was flying home to Michigan for the holidays, exchanged yeah. numbers, and and found out that uh, you know you're the owner of and you know started this company called Ivory Holsters, which I had heard of in the past but didn't really know a ton about. And you know I'm a sidearm carrier. I always carry in the backcountry and. Um, you know, it's something that's very interesting and I haven't had anyone on the podcast to kind of talk about this subject of holsters and, and sidearms and, you know, maybe we'll get into a little bit of the backcountry carrying and safety and some tips for all of us. So, um, thanks again for coming on the show. Oh man, I'm flattered to be here. Thank you for having me. Genuinely. Yeah. I'm yeah, excited. For sure. So, um, so when, uh, so have, uh, first of all, let's, let's kind of talk about maybe how Ivory Holsters began. Um, tell us a little bit about the, the company itself. Like what is it and, and maybe how you got started? Yeah, so I, I, couple, I'd say a few years ago, it's probably five or six years ago now, I, I bottom line, I, was, I conceal carry, um, needed a holster, bought one. Um, one of those hybrid style with like the, the leather on the back and then the, you know, the big pancake chunk of leather and yep. then the Kydex over the top. Um, and then I ended up switching guns and didn't want to buy a new holster. So it, it was, it was the difference between bottom line. It was a, a, a Glock and I switched to the, like a Springfield XD Okay. and they're roughly the same dimensions. And so I, it, it didn't fit perfectly, but I started, you know, doing some research on YouTube and found out that if I've got a little bit of heat and a buddy that weighs 260 pounds, I can kind of press my own, uh, my, my own, shell for this gun. So that's what I ended up doing. So I did a bunch of YouTube videos and kind of got into that. And I thought to myself, I could do this and I could do it better than a lot of these guys are doing. And and not to say anything bad about any of the other companies. There's a whole bunch of guys doing a lot of really great quality work out there. But but that's kind of how I got started. I got into it and I kind of like working with my hands. And so I started, you know, making them for buddies and 
in different applications. Um, and it just kind of evolved from there. Um, and now it's, I'm, I'm really trying to kind of not even trying to, I've kind of found this niche with, with hunters. I mean, that's my, so I'm going to say this and it's going to sound like I'm, I'm an actual hunter. Uh, I'm not a great hunter, but I love <laughs> it more than just about anything on this earth. Um, it's, it's my, I mean, I plan, I try to anyway, plan, plan like the birth of my kids around hunting season. So it's that it's, I know there's a lot of guys out there like that. It's pretty, pretty important. So, um, so yeah, I've kind of found this niche of, of, you know, this holster that mounts to, uh, specifically right now the XO mountain gear pack, but, um, yeah, for carrying in the woods. So I, you know, made holsters for all my buddies and, and got, uh, far better at it. The first, the first few versions were pretty terrible. Um, but like anything else you get better at it. And so, yeah, that's kind of where I, where I am now went from more of a concealed carry and I'm kind of moving my way into the hunting style holster. So, um, which right now it seems like we've been, been hearing a lot more about guys that have been getting mauled by bears and, uh, up North wolf attacks and mountain lions and stuff like that. I know I've been seeing, or we, my group anyway, has been seeing a lot more mountain lions when we go out elk hunting. Um, so yeah. it's, it seems to be more and more, I don't want to say a necessity, but I, I feel a, a pretty good sense of comfort, you know, carrying something in the, in the back country especially when my, my three little meatheads or two little meatheads are with me, my oldest and my, my middle kid. So, yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely, definitely an importance. You know, I made, I I've had a, I've had a, um, a pistol for a couple of years now. I bought a Smith and Wesson SDVE 40 and I really like it. It's a, it's a good gun and I just bought it as a, as something to carry with me in the backcountry. I don't currently conceal carry, although I wanna I wanna get that um, certification or whatever I got to do to do that. But um, you know, just being in the backcountry here in in Colorado, you know, you have bears, mountain lions. Um, although they're not, it's not like you're in grizzly country per se, like in Montana, right. Wyoming. But um, I, I made the decision uh, about a year ago or a couple years ago. I can't remember exactly when, but. Um, I had, I was with a guy in camp and, and he went out one day, didn't have his side piece on him and he got circled by a mountain lion. And, um, he says one of the scariest instances of his life and he didn't have his, uh, gun with him that day. He was bow hunting and I was like, wow, I, I have a, I have a gun I have, um, you know, to carry with me and I just haven't been bringing it with me because, I was like, ah, what are the chances, you know, a black bear or a mountain lion? Right. And, and, and that happened to him, although nothing, the, the outcome was fine. But, um, you know, from that day on, I was like, I'm carrying every single time I go elk hunting or any time in the backcountry. So I made that decision about a year ago. No, I feel the same way. Yeah, we, we've, I haven't had a, a whole lot of mountain lion uh, interaction, although one of my hunting buddies did last year, kind of the same, th- or two years ago, same thing. Um was walking up a game trail and had, had seen, um, actually had jumped a few elk and then kept, kept walking after he'd, he'd busted the elk. And, uh, sure enough on a, a little ridge parallel to him, not far away from him was a, a mountain lion kind of, I don't want to say it was stalking him, but it was paralleling him along this hillside. And, um, he was one of those guys that was like, I, I don't, I don't need to carry a gun and all that. So he's had a couple of interactions, one with a mountain lion, one with a bear. Um, and so Anytime he goes out, he's carrying his, his sidearm as well. And there's, I mean, there's countless stories of guys doing that, right? So um, th- there's just a, a sense of comfort in, in having something more than just your stick and a string to be able to put down something that could, could do some serious damage. I know, like you said, we're not in grizzly country, but um, it's still a little unnerving when, uh, when the cats are about. And- <laughs> yeah, that's scary for sure. Um, now you mentioned kind of like more of your niche you're getting into is, is kind of the hunter. And, you know, for myself, um, you know, I'm not like an average, um, like a gun enthusiast per se. Like I'm not out shooting every day and I'm not like military or, you know, um, something where it's a fast response, but, um, I just, I really don't know the ins and outs of like, different kind of mechanics of guns and, and, and like holsters and everything. Um, but one thing kind of like you touched on earlier, like the, the whole customization of things like switching between different guns and, and putting them in a holster. I know when I bought my holster, um, you know, it was kind of, kind of tough to find the right one to get it to fit 
perfectly the way I wanted. So it sounds like that's kind of like what, what your niche is, is like kind of more of the customization and the custom fit of, of a certain side carry. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. So all of my stuff is built like strictly for a certain gun. I mean, and, and a lot of, there's a few that cross over, right? Like, so the Glock 17 has the same dimensions as the 22. Um, and so those will fit in the same holster, things like that. But outside of that, it's all built specific for that firearm. Um, out of a, a hard plastic called Kydex that, that, like I said, you couldn't, you couldn't, on some of those, they build them to be, for lack of a better term, pretty universal. And so you can shove the the Glock and the Springfield in them. That's not my, my wheelhouse where I'm more, more specific than that. And they're built to kind of hug your gun and, and put a skin around it to protect it and, and keep it where you need it until you need it. Yeah. So like, so as far as like the product design and, and kind of maybe what separates you a little bit, like what, what's kind of the difference there? Is it like quick access? Is it durability? Is it, um, functionality? Like tell us a little bit about like the conceptual design and, and maybe how it all works. Yeah. So it's, it's not, nothing's really super new about what I'm doing. I mean, it's, there's a lot of guys that make Kydex holsters out there. Um, I think that, that, you'll find varying degrees of quality, obviously, and just about everything. And so when we talk about like the stuff that I've learned over the last five, six years that I've been doing it, it's the, the correct blocking that blocks out the ejection port, um, uh, different, you know, channels that are blocked out for your controls and your site channel, things like that. And, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm a nerd, right? So I'll nerd out about this, like <laughs> no, go for all it. day long, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's doing it right. If you ask me. So the, the edges are all, um, they're not polished, but they're, they're, they're buffed They're It's, it's all smooth. Um, the definition is a big thing, right? So you can, you can buy a holster that, you know, comes out looking like a starched gym sock, uh, and it'll, it'll get the job done, but it's not, you know, there's something to be said for the aesthetics of it too. Right. So there's there, the definition, the comfort is the big thing, right? So, in specifically, I make an inside the waistband version and then two outside the waistband versions. One's for like what you would say like range day. Uh, the other is specifically for the hunter. Um, and so those are very similar, but um, the the big things there are the, the comfort, especially on the, the outside the waistband holsters. They've got like a, a pretty natural curve to them. I mold them. It's a vacuum forming process where I, I vacuum form them over a jig um, and so they've got this nice curve to them. So they curve to the hip or in, in, you know, the, the EMG case, which is the, the hunting holster. Um, they, they hug the, the hip belt of your hunting pack. And so there's a lot to be said for something that, that grabs onto the hip, has a natural curve to it, is comfortable across the back so that if you wanted to put it on your, your everyday belt, it's still comfortable to carry, um, versus some of the other the stuff that's just not as refined and it, it, it can push, you know, on your hip in certain places and, and give you pain here and there. And so I really work hard to make sure that they're, they're comfortable and durable and functional, uh, all of those three things, and then make sure that they've got a little bit of refinement to them too. I want it to look good as well. So, um, yeah, yeah, it looks like you've really nailed it there. Just checking out your website. And that's, that's one big thing for me. Like I have a safari land holster and it's sure. nice. I like it, but it it just feels really rigid. And I find myself sometimes when like when I'm bending over or I've got my pack on or whatever, it pinches. It pinches me, and um, you know I hate that. It's like it always catches me off guard, and um, it's not that comfortable to wear all day. Whereas when I look at yours online, um, you know it just looks like they've got a lot of refined uh, kind of you know, curvature, it's, it, it seems like it's seated really well against the body and against the pack. Like you said, it's so it, uh, I can definitely see how you've kind of addressed that. Yeah, I'm pretty, pretty excited about it. I think that's the one thing that got me into the, to building them for the, the hunter is, is comfort. So I think a lot of guys, I'm sure you have too, right. Carrying in the, in the woods, trying to find that sweet spot, whether, uh, at the time, you know, I've carried a, a few different packs and man, I, I I've, you get to a point where you have a hard time finding the place for that holster, whether it's under the belt or you try and shimmy the belt over the top of the holster. Cause it's, you, you know, your hip belt of your, your pack over the top of the holster. And it's just, uh, especially if you're carrying a heavy load, it can really dig into your hip and cause some, some pain. So that's kind of where I've, I've uh, pain is where these things were really born from was just, I, I was tired of having that hip pain after, a, you know, a week's worth of hunting. Yeah. And, uh, bruised up hip 
um, like I said, especially if you're carrying out a heavy load, it's not, it's not fun. So for sure. So do you recommend for like when you are going in on a backpack hunt or you've got that frame pack on, would you recommend getting the holster that attaches to the waistband or do you still carry on the hip? Uh, so, so my, right now, my wheelhouse is kind of the, uh, the one that goes on. So the EMG rig was built specifically for the Exo mountain gear, um, pack, but it wouldn't, it's, there's a couple of ways to kind of modify it so that it'll work on other packs. And that's where I like to carry is on the hip. So it, it will sit on the, the right hand side. I'm right-handed. Um, I, I don't really make a recommendation so much cause I know there are a lot of guys out there that, that like, um, they're, they'd like to carry it on their chest. They like these chest rigs. Yeah. Um, uh, that doesn't always work for guys that are carrying uh, like a bino harness, things like that. Unless there are a couple of companies out there that are making them that'll attach to your bino harness. Um, and I'm kind of exploring that as well. But for right now, I, I carry a bino harness. And so I like to keep my gun on my hip. And so that's kind of my, my preferred method of carry. Um, yeah. So some guys do cross draw. Some guys will carry it, which you know, don't get me started on carrying it inside your pack because <laughs> it's pretty well useless there. But I guess that's better than not having it at all. But yeah, so uh, as far as like comfort and ease of access, should you need to get to it quickly, I'm a big fan of carrying it on the hip. I okay. just need to be able to do it comfortably. Yeah. Yeah. And, you- and that makes, yeah, I carry, I carry it on the hip currently. I don't have a, a backpack holster, but um, I kind of always thought the hip was, was a little bit better option because I'm always taking my pack off. You know, I might take it off when I'm hunting, while I'm glassing, if I'm getting a drink of water, going down to the creek, whatever. Um, that way it's always on my side. And that was always kind of my thought process of that. Is that kind of your your style as well? Yeah, so you, you bring up a really good point. I've been kind of contemplating this um, a lot recently. So I've got the clips that I'm using on the one right now mount, like I said, to the hip belt of the ExoPack. Um, but they're they've got a fairly thin belt gap in there. So they grip it pretty tightly. So I've just, meaning you couldn't, you couldn't like take it off your pack and then put it on your hip until very recently. So this next batch that I'm sending out, I'm, I'm looking to get, you know, some, some really good feedback, but I, I got a different, it's a mold injected clip. That's got a little bit wider belt gap. So for exactly the scenario you're talking about, right? So I, I say I've put an animal down and now I want to drop my pack, but I'm in grizzly country. So I want to keep the gun on me. Uh, these new clips will allow me to to either put it on the pack or, you know, once I've got the animal down or like you said, you want to go make a water run or whatever, you you put it, you know, on your actual belt. So they're kind of kind of dual purpose that way. And so it's it's actually kind of funny that you bring it up because that's the, the I guess, the current evolution of it right now. So being able to kind of dual use it in the in the backcountry is really convenient. Yeah, that no, that that makes a ton of sense. So it'll clip to the waistband of your pack, but will also go to your belt, right? It's not. Is it going to sit over over the pant and kind of ride on the hip, or will it just go to the belt itself? Yeah, it goes goes onto the belt. You got it. So got it'll it. hook to your to either the the hip belt of the the pack or your whatever your everyday carry belt is. Now, for a lot of guys, they don't they don't wear a belt hunting, and I'm I'm one of those guys that I'm trying to transition away from wearing a belt because it just again under under a heavy load that belt tends to, to dig in in certain spots, you know, in the lower, lower back or upper butt or whatever. But, uh, um, so yeah, if you're, if you're the kind of person that's wearing a belt while you're hunting, this is perfect. It works out really well. Got it. Now I notice, um, like, so on my current holster, I have a, like a trigger, like it's almost like a lock mechanism. Do, do any of your holsters have that? Or is, is it, is it more kind of like in the design, uh, where you don't necessarily need that? Yeah. So, so on yours, you have a button that you've got to push to release it or a, a switch to flip or. Yeah. It's almost like a trigger button almost that yeah, yeah. so, kind of locks in place. I know what you're saying. Yeah. I like that. The Serpa, I think makes one like that too. Uh, yep. or black, it's black, Blackhawk. Yeah. Blackhawk Serpa's like that. So, um, on mine it's, it's, um, it's an adjustable retention, but it's not, there's no button to push. So I've, I've heard of guys and not to knock any kind of holster, any maker out there, but I've heard of guys um, with, with those button style retentions devices, having to, you know, during a, a, a high stress scenario, they go to, to draw their weapon and have to push the button while their, their fingers already pushing in tight against the holster to, to be able to release it. And as they draw, they, they put their, their hook in that trigger guard and end up sending around either through their leg or into the ground, stuff like that. Um, 
uh, I, I've heard of that. Obviously, with some good training and practice, it's not that big of a deal. A lot of guys love that style of holster. Um, but mine is just there's a, a level of, of retention that's built into the trigger guard. And so it, nothing goes into the trigger guard except for maybe a few millimeters. And uh, you can adjust that. So most of your retention is in that trigger guard. So you can cinch it down to the point where you almost can't get it out. Um, but if you're whatever at the range, you can also loosen it up to the point where it's really nice and easy, a smooth draw stroke. Um, but like I said, all of the all the retention is in the trigger guard. And so I'm going to nerd out for just a second because I, I, I see some guys that, that are making the Kydex holsters. You'll see like where the ejection port is, you'll see a divot there um, in the actual Kydex of the holster. And so what that means is when you draw that divot, the Kydex that's there is going to be rubbing uh, on your slide uh, on the way in and on the way out. Um, so in, in my opinion, and I'm not, you know, the expert, but in my opinion, your, your retention should not be in the, in that area. Cause you're going to scratch up or unnecessarily scratch up your, your, uh, the slide of your gun. Not that, and I get it, it's a tool, right? And so you should be able to use your tool and not have to worry about all that. But I paid $600 for my tool and I don't want to, I don't want any unnecessary holster wear that I don't have to have, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, and you know, the whole thing about the, like with mine, with having that kind of trigger guard or that release mechanism, I've always thought about that as like, if it if it does come down to something where I need to be really quick or, um, you know, I'm just caught off guard, one, you know, the moving parts of the springs and whatever, more more moving parts can potentially lead to more problems. Stuff can freeze up, uh, break. Um, so I don't like that. And then, you know, two, it's just, it's just simplifies it. It makes it, um, less noise. Like sometimes I hit it and it kind of makes a little bit of a noise. Um, so I, I really like that design simplicity. You know, it sounds like you have the retention, um, that you can get it down real tight. So you don't got to worry about it falling out, but you can still get it out and there's nothing that can really go wrong, which is nice. Yeah, it's it's a lot of thought went into it, so it is it works real well. I'm I'm pretty excited about it, and I will definitely I'll get you hooked up, man. I don't have the SD9 VE mold right now, but I've got somebody who does, and so I'll I'll definitely I want to get something out to you so you can give me some some feedback as to you know what what works, what doesn't, all that stuff. So I'm pretty excited to get you one too. Sweet, yeah, and uh, sounds like maybe I might be an excuse to get a, a new gun. We'll have to talk. <laughs> and see what maybe you re what you recommend cuz i i've been kind of shopping around anyways cuz i i want want i want my girlfriend to be able to carry too and and you know have that and so um you know i'm kind of in the market for a new gun anyways so maybe we'll have to chat a little bit on that yeah i will uh, that's one area where you let me get a full head of steam and i'll nerd out for days on caliber and size and capacity and all that stuff so yeah well, i guess i mean i guess that's a good uh, qu question for this for this topic, like I just bought a generic kind of, you know, 40 Cal Smith and Wesson. It's kind of their version. Probably, you know, it's kind of like a knockoff version of the Glock, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. um, but it, I mean, I really like the gun, but like, what's, what's a good, um, you know, for somebody like elk hunting and, and they're just looking to side carry in the, in, you know, in the back country, they're not necessarily looking to conceal. They're not necessarily looking to use it for self-defense and more of like a, an urban environment or for their, you know, uh, a police officer job, like what's like, what's a good caliber for, um, you know, backcountry carrying and what's maybe a, a gun that you would recommend? Yeah. So I'm, I'm a big fan and I know there are a lot of guys out there that say you should carry the biggest you can handle, right? Every, a lot of guys want to carry a 44 mag or, yep. or whatever, Smith and Wesson 500, some of those big wheel guns. Yep. Um, I'm a big fan of the semi-autos one. Um, Cause I, so I, I kind of go through these, these stats and I don't know how true they are, but I've heard things like, uh, in high stress situations, the police, um, there were studies that were done that, so the police are hitting at about a 20% hit rate. So if they're firing, you know, 10 rounds, they're hitting two out of 10 in their oh, wow. intended target. And that's, that's, I mean, that's for somebody who's trained and, Every and for day. the most part knows what they're doing. Yeah. And so for a guy like me, who's out there. I mean, what would my ratio be? I know I'm not out there training every day or every week or every month. Um, my hit ratio goes way down from there, I would imagine, right? And so especially if it's high stress and the blood's flowing away from the brain or, or whatever is this going on. Um, so I want as much ammunition as I can get. I want, I want accuracy by volume, as they say. So 
I want I want a whole bunch more than just six or eight rounds in a in a big heavy wheel gun. So I'm a huge fan of uh, the 10 millimeter number one. So I, like I said, I nerd out on stuff like this, and so uh, I've done quite a bit of research. And again, not an expert, but uh, I keep coming back to that 10 millimeter, especially in a scenario like what you say, where it's not necessarily going to be your everyday carry gun, um, and it is more specifically for the the backcountry. Um, I see a ton of value in being able to carry. 15 rounds of some really hard hitting uh, 10 millimeter ammunition. Um, and then you want, you get into like the ammo as far as like uh, solid brass or copper or lead or some of these hard cast lead bullets and then bullet weight and bullet speed and stuff like that. Um, so just very, very simply, I'll tell you what I'm carrying right now. It's a, I, I got my hands on a Glock 20. Uh, it's a 10 millimeter. It holds 15 in the in the magazine and one in the chamber, and so I've got 16 rounds of some really high-powered 10 millimeter. Um, and I've seen the 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 bullet I'm using is a uh, it's a CNC machined solid piece of of copper or brass. Um, and it says that the website says copper or brass, and and this thing is just coming out screaming fast. Um, but it's got these these really good uh, penetration tests that have been done. There's a guy on on YouTube um, does a, a a channel called the Military Arms Channel, and he's done some a ton of gun reviews and ammo reviews. And so anyway, I was watching him and came across this Lehigh Defense round, and I just fell in love with it. Um, it's a little light, um, and so I know you can kind of nerd out on bows and arrows and arrow weight and stuff like that as well. And obviously, guys. I, from what I'm gathering are moving towards um, maybe I don't care so much that my arrow is moving as, as fast as the speed of sound, but I, I want something heavy that's got a whole bunch of energy behind it, right? That, yep. that allows it to, to not stop when it hits a solid object. And it's kind of the same way with the, these um, different, different uh, projectiles coming out of the gun. I want something fairly heavy. Although in the case of, of these Lehigh defense rounds, they're not, they're not super heavy. Um, but they're, they're not super light either coming out of the 10 millimeter. So, um, yeah, anyway, I don't know if that answers your question, but I, I really like a lot of ammunition, a lot of heavy ammunition. Um, and, uh, I just like the, the, the comfort of knowing that, that I've got a lot because I might not hit when I, you know, every single shot that I want to hit, if that makes sense. No, that's, that's really interesting. I mean, for you to bring up that statistic on, you know, police officers only hitting 20% of the time. I mean, I know I, that would put me down at like 1%, you know, <laughs> probably. Yeah, I mean, exactly. That's I mean, my so, thought too. Yeah. So that makes a whole lot of sense. And that's a good tip for, for everybody in the back country. And I found myself like, ah, oh, maybe I should shed a little weight and only carry, you know, seven rounds in the chamber. But after hearing that statistic, it's like, I probably, I statistically, I probably won't even hit in seven rounds, you know, you never know. So like strength in numbers, like you said, that's a really good point. Right. Now, um, what's, what's your take on, on, um, you know, carrying bear spray? Is that something that, that you, um, not really worry about in Colorado, but if you were, if you were hunting, let's say in Wyoming or Montana, Idaho, you're dealing with grizzlies. Is that something where you would double up? You'd go bear spray and a sidearm or just a sidearm? Um, what's kind of your take on that? Yeah, no, good, good question. And I, again, I mean, I am not an expert at all. And so for me, I just have, have hunted in Colorado. Um, so I, I, I don't, so in, in, obviously the stories that get out and get the most publicity are the really terrible stories. Right. And so what was the guy's name? Was it, was it or Todd or, uh, yep. Todd Orr. Um, there was a guy in Wyoming recently that just got, got uh, mauled and killed one of the guides up in Wyoming this last year. And you know all this. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Yeah. But it seems like these guys, especially with Todd Orr, I think he he gave that bear a full blast to the face of, of bear spray. And it was like hot sauce for the bear, it sounds like. He didn't, he, it just didn't seem like it slowed it down at all. So I, you know, I'm, I'm coming from Colorado. In my experience with the black bears, truthfully, we've had zero issues we've seen a lot of black bear and almost every single time i will say every single time that they've seen us uh, they're far more afraid of us than we are of them now cats haven't been the same uh, but i haven't dealt in, in any way with with uh grizzlies i will say again just from the the stories that i've been reading and and kind of looking at online i'm i'm not 100 percent behind um bear spray Although I did recently, I, and it was weird because I, I, I'm a big fan of the, the 10 millimeter and, and 
carrying a gun. I don't know. I mean, I guess if you've got the availability to carry a gun and bear spray, great. Um, I did hear about a place out of, I think it was Montana on, on the EXO podcast. It, they were talking to one of the bear experts. Uh, they do actual training like firearms training uh, up there for backcountry hunters. And one of the things they were saying they were using was um, these road flares. And so the road flares are super bright. They make a crack when you when you get them you know, lit. Uh, so they're pretty loud. And those have been having some pretty good success. They're, they're fairly lightweight, too, having some pretty good success with, I mean, nothing they say. The way they say it is that nothing in its right mind is going to come toward that bright of a light um, and that sound. And so they seem to have a little more success with that. But that's the first time I've ever heard of them, you know, anyone using any kind of, of flare. Um, but from if you're asking my opinion, I'm – just from what I'm seeing online and only because I only get the, the feed of the worst stories of the worst, right? I'm sure bear spray works. I'm sure it does. Um, and if you can carry it, why not? Right. But, but I'm a much bigger fan of carrying a pistol, um, than, than anything else. It seems like the stories that I've heard by the time the guys had a chance to draw the pistol, um, uh, because he sprayed first, it's been too late. So yeah, yeah not a, yeah, that's kind of what I've heard as well. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to do everything in my power to not shoot that animal or to not take that life. But if it comes down to it and you've got a matter of seconds to make that decision, I want something that I, I feel confident in. And, you know, like you just mentioned, I've heard the same stories of bear spray not always working or, you know, you're jiggling around to that. If it doesn't work, then, you know, all that already too late. So, and, and I'm, and I'm a big guy, I'm a big proponent of, of having a multi use tool in, in the pack. Like bear spray can only be really used for one thing, a gun you can use for signaling. Um, you know, you can acquire food with it. You can protect yourself. So if I'm going to carry the weight, I'm going to bring something in the back country with me. Um, you know, just like rope and, and, um, you know, stuff in your pack, like it's got to have a multi-purpose to it. So I, I feel like a, a just a handgun, <laughs> something you feel confident in, practice with it. That's all you need and take all the necessary precautions and 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 use it as a last resort, but I'm going I'm going handgun every time. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you and you that's a really good point too as far as like being able to to multi-use the the handgun or, or any kind of gun, right? I know that a few years ago on on the last day of the season, uh the rest of my hunting party went they were we were we had been able to camp pretty far back based on some, there was some private land we could get on. We got access to, uh, they got the Jeep stuck. And so on the last day, they're all tired. And I'm the only Jack wagon that is like going to get up at four in the morning on the last day to go out into the woods and try and, and kill something, uh, while they went out and try and, and dig the Jeep out. And so, so I go out by myself and, and cell reception was terrible. Didn't, couldn't get cell reception. They knew where I was going, but I did end up putting down a little four by four bowl, um, Nice. And uh, after I finally found him, I, I couldn't get a hold of anybody with cell. And I was trying texting and, and trying to call him and uh, all that. And they were just too far away. And so the one thing that I was able to do within earshot was be able to put, you know, I, I had five rounds in my, my rifle. And so I was able to put two or three, um, you know, into a tree or into the ground. And they were able to hear it. And that kind of notified them that I needed their, you know, their assistance. And thank God they were able to to get up to me with a, a sharp knife and a sandwich. Cause it was not a good time by myself. <laughs> I bet. I bet. No, that makes total sense. And like, you know, some of the, some of the things, reasons for carrying other than self-defense would be like signaling or, I mean, you never know. I mean, I had, I had uh, Matt Wright on from naked and afraid and he's, he's in uh, Lakewood, Colorado. So he's not too far from where you're at. And, you know, he's a survivalist teaches these classes and, you know, talks about all that stuff, but, um, you know, just safety in the backcountry. you need to have a tool that can do multiple things and, and always take the necessary precautions and have that there just in case you got to find a way to get out. You got to find a way to get help. And, you know, a sidearm is, is definitely one of those things. Yeah. I think I, I think I met him at the sportsman show two years ago. Yeah. Okay. Super cool guy. Yeah. Guy's super knowledgeable. Yeah. Yeah. And he makes custom knives and, and does all that stuff too. Yeah. Yep. 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 That's really cool. That's really cool. Um, now he was, was it, I, I don't know if it was his booth 
but he, I thought he had a quiet cat or maybe he was right next to the quiet cat booth. Cause you work for them too. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So he, he, uh, does have a couple of our bikes. He loves them and rides them everywhere and, and, uh, big, big fan of ours. So he, uh, That's he has a couple so- of our bikes. Yeah. He's a good dude. Yeah. Um, so walk us through a little bit of like the process of, of acquiring one of your holsters. Like, you know, how, how does one go about ordering, um, an ivory holster is the best way to go on the website and like, what information do you need in order to, uh, you know, select the right holster? Is it all custom? Do you sell through dealers? How does that all work? No. So I've got a, a couple of, of gun shops locally here. I've got one in, in Greeley and then one in, um, in Hudson here, uh, that, that kind of sell more of the, the inside the waistband and the standard outside the waistband rigs. But as far as like the hunting holsters go, yeah, through the website is, is the best place to get to them. Um, the, there's a, a pretty simple drop down that, that goes through all the models I've got. Um, and then you've got your options as far as like left hand, right hand, and a couple of different color options right now. Um, but so it's, it's pretty simple to try and find it. I think where some guys get confused is, is, uh, like for instance, Springfield, Springfield's got an XD, they've got an XDM and then they've got an XDS and now an XDE. And so I'll get questions every now and again from a guy who's like, I don't even know what model XD I've got. I just want to make sure I don't order the wrong one. And so they'll, they'll send me an email or give me a call and I can help walk them through that. I, 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 I had a guy send me a, a couple of pictures of his XD the other day, just so I can make sure that I was making the right one for him. But yeah, it's uh it, it's pretty simple. Just pick your, your model in the drop down, your color and your, your left or right hand draw and I'll get you squared away. Got it. And, and you, you mentioned a little bit about it earlier, but essentially you have a mold of all these different handguns, correct? And then you kind of vacuum form, you know, your, your holster around that. Is that kind of the process? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. It's a, it's a, like a glass filled resin. Most of them, uh, I got a bunch of them. I think there's probably right around 30 models right now, although I'm kind of trying to pare that down. So some of the stuff that's not as popular, uh, some of the little pocket pistols, haven't been as popular and so there's not really any need to keep them around so i'll try and pare that down but yeah it's all all built off of a a a very specific some of them being really nicely cnc machined molds uh that just puts out a really good looking product um and something like like we were talking about earlier that'll just hug your gun um, and give you that sense of security when it clicks in there and you know that it's it's secure and it's where you need it got it got it um so i'm looking on here right now like the you have the pack holster and let's say the Monarch, like what the, the big difference there is just how it attaches. The Monarch is just a, a hip one. The, the pack holster only goes on your pack, but you are coming out with the waistband for your belt as well. No. So, so really good question. So the, the Monarch is the one that's built more for like at the range and duty carry, right? So it's, okay. um, you can kind of see the, the Monarch, the backside, the sweat guard on the backside comes up. So it sits, you know, against the, the body uh, and it kind of gives you a, like an index so that when you're going to reholster, you can kind of slap the slide of your gun against the, the, that index and, and holster it that way. Um, but it doesn't afford a whole lot of protection on the slide from about the back of the trigger guard to the top of the slide. Cause it's built, like I said, for, for your range day carry and stuff like that. So the, the pack holster I make that sweat guard go all the way up both sides of the slide. And I, I, I do that from experience, right? So I had a really nice um, uh, Springfield XDM for a while and I took it hunting and I didn't, I didn't do what I'm doing now. I just threw it in a Monarch and, and went into the woods with it. And so the thing cost at the time, it was probably right around 600 bucks um, and going through some pretty thick country. I help, I hunt uh, South of steamboat. So uh, some, you know, there's, there's, scrub brush and scrub oak and all kinds of different things up there. And so I, I scratched the heck out of it, which again, I get it. It's a tool and I shouldn't be worried about it. But again, if I don't have to scratch that, that thing up, I don't want to. And so I came back and, and this is kind of the result of that. So the, the EMG rig is built to kind of protect your gun on both sides. Now, if you're not going to win a a quick draw competition by any means, obviously the, the Kydex going up on both sides of the the slide means you have to draw a little bit higher to, to get it to release completely from that kydex, but it gives you that level of, of protection. So the, the main difference there is that, number one, it's it's a sweat guard up both sides as opposed to just the one side, like the Monarch. 
Uh, it's a different set of clips, although you can add the quick clips to the the EMG holster if you want to, and then you can you can kind of swap those out for everyday carry versus hunting season. Um, and then the other difference is on the on the Monarch, I've I've got a it's a straight draw, straight up and down, and on the EMG rig, it's it's kind of canted forward slightly so that it kind of presents itself to your hand. Um, and I'm I'm really toying with the idea of just going uh, forward cant on both the Monarch and the, the EMG rig right now. But uh, yeah, those are the the main differences. So uh, the it. cant, the protection on both sides of the slide, and then the clips, how they attach to your belt. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, this the spike mag pouch. What what is that exactly? Is that just for extra clips? Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So you got you got a an inside the waistband mag pouch and then an outside the waistband. Uh, the insides are all single mag pouch, but I make a double mag as well for the outside the waistband. Um, and that's more for for like I said for duty carry um, or or range day uh, stuff like that. But but yeah, the the mag pouch is is uh, either single or double. Um, Inside or outside, exactly right. So you can just carry carry more ammo. Hope hopefully in the backcountry you don't need it. But <laughs> yeah, hopefully hopefully I don't. I I need to practice more. That's that's the main thing with me is like, you know, I'm just a a weekend warrior when it comes to guns. Like I I love shooting my bow. I'm all about archery. But I also recognize the importance of of shooting and you know being comfortable with your guns. So that's that's one of my goals for this year is just to get more more time in, um, you know, more trigger time and, and really getting to know the in, ins and outs of the gun and being able to draw it quickly and practice certain scenarios. Cause like I said, it's important and, and you can practice and, and, you know, a couple times and you may feel okay, but I just feel like when it comes down to the moment of truth and something catches you off guard, it's, it's a whole different ball game. So that's one of my goals for this year is just to become more comfortable and, and, and quicker and, and more accurate as well. Oh, for sure. You can't. So I, I see guys online all the time um, asking, you know, I just bought this, this Glock. What, what sights should I get? What triggers should I put in it? All that stuff. And, and they'll give, they, they kind of give crap to the guys that are carrying. Like in, in my case, uh, I've had uh, a Bursa before. I've had that, the same one you're carrying, but in the nine millimeter version. And guys, guys will give me crap because it's, it's a cheap. And to your point, it's like Glock knockoff. Um, and I can nerd out about that too. But but it's it's a very reliable gun. It gets the job done. It is probably not the best trigger in the world, but but it's not the point, right? The point is I want to be able to shoot it well. And so yeah. I love when the the real experts, the guys that are actually out there shooting, kind of chime in and they go, "Look, you just you just bought this thing. You're, you don't don't put fresh sights on it. Don't get a a red dot for it. Don't get any of the other you know espresso makers or crap that you can hang off of it. <laughs> Spend that money." On on a you know, thousand rounds, yeah, and go out and learn to shoot the thing and become comfortable and proficient with it. And so I'm a huge subscriber to that. And I say that knowing that I don't practice nearly enough either. Um, oh, we never uh, never enough, you know. Like you could yeah. you could you could shoot all day every day, and it, and it's never enough. But it doesn't hurt uh, from trying. And I'm I'm the same way with archery. It's like you know I get people asking me all the time like what's what's the best bow setup or what's the best like rest or release and arrows and broadheads and it's like you can totally geek out on all this stuff spend thousands of dollars and you're still going to be a shitty shot or you know you don't have you don't have everything tuned correctly so it's not it's not working efficiently and you know so like just like you said whatever you're comfortable with whatever is going to make you the best hunter whatever is going to make you the most efficient do that like you don't need the latest you know crap you don't need to buy a new bow every year you don't need to buy a new gun every year just just practice and 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 do what's going to make you um, the best hunter, or in in this case, um, going to give you the most confidence in a self defense situation. No, I couldn't couldn't agree more. There are a ton of guys that have killed a lot of animals, right? Fred Bear, right, killed everything that walked with a stick and a string. I can't yep. you can't argue with that. He didn't need all the all the <laughs> super high end stuff, but I bet he flung more arrows than a lot of guys do in their entire life, right? So oh yeah, 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 we're yep. on the same page. Yeah, he that. That dude makes everybody uh, who's bow hunting today look like a little baby <laughs> for oh, the most part. Monster. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, now, talking a little bit about like firearm safety, um, you know, touch touch a little bit on that. Like that's always kind of a, a hot point for me is like, do I, do I um, you know, leave one in the chamber? Do I, um, you know, have, have them in the magazine but not one um, 
you know, in the chamber loaded? Do you have the safety on, safety off? Like mine doesn't really have a safety, but like talk to us a little bit maybe about like firearm safety and some of the precautions that you can kind of take and, and what's the best setup for, um, you know, using a gun in a, in a concealed or side carry. Yeah. So I'm again, not, not in any way an expert, but everybody's got an opinion. Right. And so I'm, I'm a, a, not a fan at all of carrying a, an unloaded gun, meaning a gun that doesn't have one in the chamber. Um, and I don't, I don't know how true it was or if it's just something I heard or if I, I dreamt it, I don't know, but I, I heard, I thought I heard that the guy that was in Wyoming this year did not have one chambered. Um, and I'm not sure if it was on his, on his person or not, or if he'd had it like sitting on a pack when the, the bear got to him. But, um, the, if you think about the amount of time it takes for even, even a, a two legged predator, right. A, for a human to run at another human, they talk about the, the, um, the average, and this is all stuff that I just, you know, heard or read in the FBI reports, but the average, um, is about altercation is about seven yards, right? 21 feet. And so if you've, if you've got somebody coming at you from 21 feet, they're, they're there and way on top of you long before you have a chance to maybe even draw, let alone rack around. Um, and, and again, I hear the, you know, and, and read the, the worst stories out there. And I've heard about guys that that has made the difference between their lives and specifically the one I'm thinking of the, the lives of their families, the difference between having to rack around and not could cost lives. So I'm not a huge fan of, of, um, of not carrying one in the chamber. I think if you, if you practice, like we're, we're talking about, and I'm not saying you got to practice till you're like, uh, Travis Haley or anything like that, but, um, practice to the point where you're, you're comfortable with it. You should be just fine carrying one in the chamber. And I say that a lot of people are like, well, what if, you know, you know, they would feel, they would feel, I guess, bad, right. If they accidentally shot around into the ground or into their foot. And I get that, but I kind of take it to the opposite end of that. Like I would feel bad if somebody, myself, my kids, my, you know, my hunting buddies got hurt because I couldn't help them in time uh, because I didn't have one in the chamber. And so I kind of take it to the opposite extreme and, and same way with, with carrying, you know, concealed. I'm, I'm a big fan of carrying one in the chamber. I've seen videos of guys trying to, to fuss with their guns, right. You know, whether, while they're trying to go to work in a, uh, 7-Eleven on some bad guys that are in there and it just doesn't sit well with me to not carry one in there. Um, yeah, that makes total sense. And, and I think, you know, from that standpoint too, when you do have one live, let's say, you're just a more, you're more aware of that, right? So like, you're going to be very, very conscious that it is, you know, hot, it, 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 you can, you know, hit that trigger and, and shoot one off. So I think that's, you know, also something to consider too. It's like when you're riding a motorcycle or a bike, as opposed to driving in a car, you're just more aware of your surroundings and, and potentially what can happen based on this decision. So I think that's, you know, a point to as well that you're going to be more conscious and more safe, um, around that gun because it is hot. That makes no, sense. No, I, yeah, I would agree with that. It's, it's funny. Um, we talk about like trigger discipline and I, I say, we talk about it. I, I got three sons and so the two of them, they've got Nerf guns and it is really, I'm, I'm proud when I see them walking around the house and they, they have, they have their, their trigger finger indexed above the trigger. So they don't, their finger is not on the trigger until they're absolutely ready to shoot. It's so cool to see. And so I think a lot of that can be, can be, uh, trained in without actually having to use ammo even. Right. So, so you, there's no reason you couldn't, uh, sit and practice with a fully unloaded gun. And when I say that, I mean like ammunition in the other room completely, if that's what it takes, uh, to, to be, to not have that accident. Uh, cause I know some guys that have had that accident, um, but yeah, I mean, there's no no reason you shouldn't you shouldn't dry fire practice or at least dry, you know draw and practice keeping your finger off the trigger until you become it becomes muscle memory. I don't know. I mean, if I think about it in terms of like when I'm a, when I'm out hunting pheasants, are you, are you a big pheasant hunter? I'm not, but it's I, I've hunted some grouse. Yeah, so so after a while, um, you don't really think about clicking the safety off and back on after you've taken the shot, right? The bird flushes, my thumb goes to the safety. I, I click it off, shoot, miss multiple times, and then put my safety <laughs> back on. Yeah, then I put the safety back on, and so it's it's kind of one of those those things where you don't you don't even really think about it because you've practiced it so much in the field that it's the same thing I would say with with uh, the the pistols too, right? You you're if you just practice that way, that's just the way you're gonna you're gonna end up 
fighting for lack of a better term when it comes time to do that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, this is kind of an embarrassing story, but this was, this was the kind of, you know, point that I decided like it makes a hell of a lot more sense to just carry one live in the chamber. Um, I was, I was hunting a couple years ago with my buddy, Sam, we were elk hunting. It was one of the last days and we had this big black bear just coming, coming like right at us. He was just moseying along. He wasn't, he hadn't seen us yet, but we just let him keep coming and coming. And, and uh, he got to within 20 yards and um, neither of us had a bear uh, archery tag. So we couldn't shoot him um, of course, but, uh, I, I drew my, I drew my pistol just in, or drew my sidearm just in case, just to like, you know, if he comes real close and we can't scare him off or whatever, like I want to take a shot and, or, you know, if I need to defend myself, then, you know, sure. I, I'm, I'm going to shoot, but I, I never, it never crossed my mind, but, um, I drew it and, you know, and I was kind of like just pointing it at him, like kind of as he came closer and he got to within 10 yards before we finally scared him off. Um, that's close. But, yeah, yeah, it was real close, and he was a big boar. And after he kind of just turned around and laughed, like he didn't run off, like he wasn't like spooked to to all, you know, get out. But like after he went away, and I I let my gun down, I was like, holy shit! I was holding this gun, and you know, I was ready if I needed to pull the trigger. But then I realized I didn't have one in the chamber, so I would have been screwed anyways. So it's just like. I, I was in that, in that moment, I was not thinking about racking one in and then, you know, shooting. It was just like, I'm going to pull up and shoot. And I was like, wow, how (laughs) that, that was a pretty dumb move. So from now on, I always, I always carry live. No, that's a great point. And it's, I'm glad it turned out the way it it did. Cause I think there are probably a lot of guys that didn't have it turn out that way. And that's, that's a really good point, man. Being 10 yards from a bear and not having one in the chamber is a little, a little unnerving <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, well, cool. Yeah, no, this is, this has been great. Gabriel talking about all things kind of like holsters and the design and the process of what you got going on, a little bit of history of the company, um, how you got started and then some really good tips as far as like carrying in the backcountry, safety, um, using your firearm, kind of different models and recommendations. Um, you know, where, where can we go to kind of find out more information on ivory holsters? Talk to us about your website, um, social media, all that stuff. Yeah, so I'm, I, it seems like everybody that has a, a gun, uh, and a lot of the hunters right now, we all we all are. Is a, Instagram is huge, so I'm big on Instagram. It's easy to post there, and it's easy to see a lot of cool stuff and get some some uh, dialogue going back and forth. So I'm on Instagram under Ivory Holsters. Uh, Facebook, I'm not as active on there. I should be, but I, I haven't been. I need to ramp that up a little bit. But there's also an Ivory Holsters Facebook page, and then um, through email and through the website, there's a couple of pages where you can. You can click on contact and you can contact me. Uh, it, it sends an email to me or, or you can call too. I don't, I mean, if I don't answer, I'll do my best to get back to you and we can, we can nerd out over the phone, um, over whatever, whatever subject comes up. But yeah, those are the, the main, the main thing. So ivoryholsters.com or on Instagram and Facebook, I've got a, <laughs> I've got a YouTube channel too. Uh, it's, it, there's like two subscribers right now. Um, but I, <laughs> I kind of sometimes in the woods, I think I'm funny. And so I, I've been for the last few years, I've been doing these uh, elk hunting pro tips, like when I'm in the woods and I'm, I'm whispering into the camera and there's nobody else around. I'm just talking to myself in the camera. And so uh, some of my elk hunting pro tips are pretty, pretty funny. You'll have to, you'll <laughs> have to check, check it out. Yeah, I'll they're take a look they're at pretty that. stupid. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I am technically on my YouTube as well, but uh, <clears throat> excuse me, not as active there either, but, but uh, I got to ramp that up as well. So yeah. Very cool. And yeah, and you can, like you said earlier, you can just order online. You can click on which model, select select your gun, um, all that stuff kind of features, and then, you know, just do it all online, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that's the preferred method for sure, yeah. Nice. Well, I really appreciate you, Gabriel. It was great talking with you, and we'll definitely have to get you back on it at some point. Maybe we can talk some, some hunting, elk hunting, mule deer hunting along those lines as well in the future and, you know, get you back on when you got some – new updates to talk about new products and, and, uh, we'll go from there, but really enjoyed having you on the show and it's it a pleasure talking with you. Uh, thanks so much for having me, Adam. I really mean that. I am, I am flattered that you'd have me at all. It means a lot to me. So thanks very much. And I had a great time too. For sure. For sure. All right. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks. 
All right, and there we have it, another episode in the books. A big thanks to Gabriel from Ivory Holsters for coming on the show. Had a blast chatting with you. As mentioned from earlier in the podcast during the intro, we have a giveaway. Um, Ivory Holsters, they are going to give away to a lucky winner one of their pretty badass holsters. So here's how you enter. All right, step one, you have to follow Transition Wild and Ivory Holsters on Instagram. Step two, like the Instagram post that mentions this podcast. So when I announce the podcast, I'll do an Instagram post. You have to like that. And then third step, tag two friends in the comment section of that post. So um, again, how you enter to win a holster from Ivory Holsters You have to follow Transition Wild and Ivory Holsters on Instagram, like the Instagram post that mentions this podcast, and then tag two friends in the comment section of that Instagram post. So three easy steps. It's pretty simple. I'm going to kind of detail everything in the Instagram post itself. If you're on the email list, I'll remind you that way as well. So definitely enter to win. Check them out, ivoryholsters.com. They got a lot of badass um, different models on there and they're, they're pretty slick can't wait to try mine out so um, make sure you enter to win and thanks again for everybody who tuning into the podcast it's it's been a it's been a great 2018 and 2019 is already off to a good start as well and and just appreciate you guys all tuning in Make sure you subscribe to Transition Wild on the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network. You can subscribe and find Transition Wild on iTunes, Stitcher, and iTunes by um, by its own feed. So if you just search on um, one of those platforms, Transition Wild, you'll find uh, the standalone feed that you can subscribe there. Um, make sure you follow Transition Wild on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, you can subscribe to TransitionWild.com. I'm still doing the doing the freebie there, the Colorado Beginner Elk Hunting Guide. So if you're planning that upcoming hunt this fall, make sure you do that. Follow Sportsman's Nation on Instagram, Facebook, and you can subscribe to all the podcasts on SportsmansNation.com. All right, I won't bug you anymore. Make sure you enter to win. I appreciate you tuning in, and we'll talk to you soon.